Hey, it's Aaron. And I'm Sarah. And this is 31 Nights of Scary Shit. recording yeah we're recording that is so unkind all right well we have a few seconds of lead-in time because you forget that now i'm telling the backstory to the podcast at the beginning of the podcast hello everyone let me just get back to explaining to aaron how intros work so there's a few seconds at the very beginning where there's going to be a meld between the music and it'll cover all that yucky stuff at the beginning all right (laughs) still a gentle warning would be helpful (laughs) a gentle warning So this is another movie episode, and here's what I will say. This is not one of my favorite movies. I don't know why. No, it's actually not. And I think the reason that it's not one of my favorite movies is now that I know even more about this movie, and even more about how it's not really a good version of the book, it makes me like it even less. So Oh, that's annoying. But three of my my sources, um, so I used Mental Floss, I used Britannica, and a site called Cinema Blend. So the movie I'm talking about, the beloved classic, The Shining, 1978, Stanley Kubrick film. And um, so what I'm going to do is talk about some similarities and differences, actually more differences between the book and the movie. Um, And I always knew there was something about the movie I didn't really like. I just want to say disclaimer, I've never read the book, but as I was researching for this, I could see how someone who has read the book and seen the movie might be pissed off. They might, yeah. as we were talking the other day with that movie we were watching. Oh, I'm thinking of ending yeah, things. Yeah. I'm only 40 pages into that book and I'm already like, what the yeah. hell was going on in that movie? Yeah. So you okay. like the book a lot. Yeah. So we're going to pause the shining for yeah. a second to yeah. explain to you. Cause that, this is relevant actually to, to my spoiler point. alert. I'm thinking of ending things. It's not a spoiler alert to say that the book is literally completely different from the movie. Yeah. Like if you read the book, you'd have no idea what the hell, like, no, if you watch the movie, you'd have no idea what the hell is going on. If you hadn't read the book. Yeah. It's just, it's it's kind of shitty because you don't get to experience it in the same way that you experience it from the book. So you're saying that The Shining is just like that, that the, you get a different experience from the book than from the movie. From what I can gather now, of, <laughs> um, and it makes me really actually really want to read the book now, I've seen the movie a bunch of times, probably a dozen times, and never really thought it was a great movie in the first place, but now I like the movie even less. But it's yeah. still extremely interesting. So I'm going to talk about Stephen King's influence for The Shining and then also talk about Stanley Kubrick and why he made some of the choices he did and just kind of, you know, put our own little opinions in here. So um, Stephen King, the inspiration for... I love Stephen King. I mean, literally the best. Anyone that knows me knows I love Stephen King. and um, From a young age, I believe. From from an extremely young age. (laughs) From from quasi-inappropriately young age. Yes, (laughs) yes. Absolutely. I, I feel like most people, their yeah. experience with Stephen King was from a too young age. Well, I remember when I was in grade school and I I was checking out a book from the library. Now, I went to a Catholic school and we had a really small library, but I think our librarian was kind of cool because she had some Stephen King books in there. And I think they were kind Ooh, of... Ooh, scandal. Yeah, yeah, I think she did. I think... Because I don't think I went to the public library that much then. So I know I brought home a Stephen King book and I think it was like maybe The Dead Zone. 
which is pretty heavy, right? And I was probably yeah. like third or fourth grade. Yikes! And I and I totally dug it. I was like, this book is great. I can get behind it. And I remember my mom kind of being like, well, what's that? You know, not really. Again, remember I told you before. If Hands I was off, re- man. if I was reading, they like did not give a shit what it was. They're like, she's reading. It's a book. Who cares? I feel like parents. Yeah. My mom was like that too. She yeah. was just happy to see me reading. Not that she didn't care. Not that your parents didn't care. But they it's were just, like, they were like. You're reading? Great. Yeah. They're like, she's not trying to like watch Cinemax or, you know. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, stay out till midnight. Or stealing our cigarettes, you know? <laughs> they were like, how is she possibly going to get a, a Such her- the range of activities. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because it was a thing. You could steal cigarettes from your parents' purse back then. That's real. Um, But the thing is, it's like they didn't really bother to check into the reading because like, what would I have been getting at that age? It was inappropriate. I went to the school library. But anyway, I was reading Stephen King, which was probably a bit heavy for a fourth grader. Um, Uh, A bit. (laughs) And I know. And I knew Stephen King was from Maine. So I was obsessed with Maine and living in Maine and everything Maine from the time I was like third and still am. That's so specific. I, I Yeah, I wanted to live in Maine. What, Having, what about Maine? I don't know. I just... I, it's just the whole vibe. I just sensed a vibe even just when I was lobsters, a kid. lobsters, cold, wet yes. environment. Yes. Well, large I, stones on the beach. I don't know why I imagine large stones. There are large on, stones on the beach in Maine. I don't know. I've They're never gorgeous. Been to Maine. No, you're right. See, you know the vibe too. I know. I know the vibe. It's like Pacific Northwest, but on in the Northeast. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's literally, it's just the cold, super cold version of that. I don't know. It's an, Maine is amazing. But so anyway, let's. And get, there are lots of trees. Yes. But let's get back to my obsession with Stephen King. And, so circling back to what we were actually talking yes, about. Yes. And Stephen King's inspiration. Stephen King stayed at the Stanley Hotel at Estes Park, Colorado in 1974. He thought the hotel would, would be the perfect setting for a ghost story. So King and his wife, Tabitha, I love her that her name's Tabitha. Love it, love it, love what, it. Was there a ghost story originally there? Are you going to get um, to that? No, I don't think there is. Oh, so, so they just made it up. So King and his wife, Tabitha, were the only guests at the hotel, which is weird, right? That's and, fucking weird. And it was about to close for the winter season. So I think they. I think what happened was they went to a place... That they, that they thought seemed like a cool place. And it just so happened that it was about to close for the season. And him being a writer, he, pro- he probably, you know, writers dig seclusion. Let's put That's it this way. really fucking weird, though. I don't think it's, it's a big-ass hotel. So, um, King had a dream that his... It's always about a dream. King had a dream that his three-year-old son, he really did have a three-year-old son at the time, was running through the corridor screaming while being chased with a fire hose. So if you've seen The Shining, no, there's that there's that way. there's that crazy scene. So portions of the book are semi autobiographical. Ooh. Because King did have a struggle with alcoholism and he had a fear that he would somehow hurt his family. Um, whether or not he meant to lose control, physically harm his family, I'm not really sure. But huh. King described that the experience of writing that book was cathartic for him because he had these fears of his alcoholism like just completely taking over, destroying his life. But anyway, he did get sober in the late 1980s. So he overcame that. Edgar Allan Poe references. So my other favorite author. So in the beginning of the book of The Shining, and again, I'm admitting I've never read The Shining, but I now know. Can we pause for just a second for you to close that door? I know you don't like me to just mysteriously point. All right. (laughs) Door is closed. So there's, there are three, I guess what you call epitaphs, I guess, at the beginning of this book. Uh-huh. And they're all sort of references that um, that are used to symbolize different themes in the book. 
So, of course, there's an Edgar Allan Poe reference, and there's an allusion to the Mask of the Red Death. So if you don't know anything about the Mask of the Red Death, it's a medieval prince gives a ball, and at the end of the evening, the guests suffer death at the hands of a plague or the Red Death. Um, and the king... Um, oh, I'm sorry. So King quoted parts of that. And darkness and decay and the Red Death held illimitable dominion over them all. So there were quotes that were pulled from the Mask of the Red Death, and the Mask of the Red Death, the pervading image is pretty much blood, right? I mean, it's just, oh, gotcha. it's blood. So blood is a huge symbolism in The Shining. Um, in The Shining, the images of blood and brain matter haunt Danny throughout the novel. Ugh. And in the Gross. climax of the novel, um, the character's name is John in the novel, not Jack, sees red liquid spraying like an obscene rain shower. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> and some think that the Red Rum reference is actually an allusion to the Red Room in The Mask of the Red Death, even though, yes, we know that Red Rum is murder backwards, but they think that that could have been possibly in, um, you know, an allusion to that story as well. It made me think of the Red Wedding in, Ga in um, Game of Thrones. Oh, The yeah. Mask of the Red Death. Just, yeah, that's what it made me think of. So there are some other Poe similarities. The settings. So both authors um, focus on the grandiosity of the setting. So the, it's the castle and Mask of the Red Death. And then, of course, it's the Overlook Hotel and The Shining. There's a masquerade ball at the Overlook Hotel, which is governed by a clock that has supernatural powers. And then the idea of a mask to conceal one, one's true self. So in the climax of the novel, the hotel guests start chanting, Unmask, at the character John. And then King paraphrases the line, the Red Death held sway over all. So he seems to really like that Poe story. And I did not know that, again, having never read The, the Shining. But now I, now I really dig it and want to read it because I think that's pretty cool. Now, there are some movie versus book differences. And arguably, the, the differences that, that um, the movie actually turns it into almost a completely different story. Not that the... Not that the not that the plot is really different. It's just there are just certain changes that make it kind of a... The way that you experience the, the main character kind of breaking down and, and turning crazy, it's a whole different perspective depending on whether or not you're reading the book or the movie. So hmm. now there are some minor changes. So one is that the character has changed from John to Jack. So it's Jack Torrance in, in the movie and it's John in the novel. But it's still John Torrance. Yeah. Um, in the book, it's clear... In, in the novel, it's clear that the Overlook Hotel is haunted and that the supernatural presence is actually what drives the main character crazy. But in the movie, it seems to be more of an internal battle. Oh. Or, or like he's already kind of nuts, but he's fighting it off. But that's not the case in the book. The book, it's like he starts off pretty sane and then gradually these supernatural things just start to break him down. But in the, in the movie, it seems like Jack Torrance is already a little bit cuckoo. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's one of the things, I'll get into that, that Stephen King really hated about the movie, which I totally get. I, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, so it's actually really interesting. Um, the characters in the movie appear to be in the author's head. So by author, I mean Jack Torrance, and his madness seems to stem from writer's block and isolation, not because of really of the supernatural things that are going on. So, oops, that's a major difference. Um, in the book, John is writing a play. Um, and he abandons his idea and begins to write a play based on the spooky Overlook Hotel. It's not made clear what Jack Torrance is writing in the movie. Well, it is eventually, but, yeah. but we don't know what his initial intention is. We don't know what he was writing a novel about. But later on, we find out what he's actually been doing for 
all that time. And it's a big reveal. Um, John's motivation. And it's not a damn thing. No, no. Yeah. John's motivation in writing is based on a scrapbook that he finds, which is a major subplot in the book. But in the movie, they pretty much leave it out. There's one picture that they refer to. So there, there are ghosts that are in the hotel. There's a picture of them in the scrapbook. But in the movie... Um, there's a picture from the 1920s, but the rest of the scrapbook, they completely like eliminate that from the plot, really. Um, and again, as I mentioned, John in the book is a guy who starts off sane and he gradually descends into madness where Jack, where Jack's character is already it's pretty much there. cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. You can kind of tell just by the opening scenes, really. So it actually kind of changes from supernatural to psychological. So it's a kind of a different story. Okay. Some facts, the creepy twins in the movie. Yeah. Not in the book. Oh my god, that's kind of upsetting. It is, isn't it though? So so some of the most iconic things in the movie, unfortunately, are not in the book at all. But they become, you know, those things about the movie that everybody remembers. So most people probably picture those two twin girls. So in the book, the Grady family murders are discussed, but the sisters are not twins in the book. And they are not seen by Danny as a vision either when he's riding the bike in the hallway. Um, the bleeding elevator, where the blood just explodes every place like a tidal wave. No. Uh, not a part of the book. No. Um, and then the whole thing about when we find out what Jack has actually been writing. So when Jack's wife sees that Jack has been typing, all work and no play makes Jack a doll boy. That didn't happen in the book either. <laughs> so that was another, another add-in. Wow. Um, the ending when Jack chases Danny with an axe through a hedge maze. It, um, it does not happen in the book that way either. What? It's a garden in the book and the plants come to life and they speak. And that drives John over the edge. So that's different too. It's not that different, but different enough. Um, I, you probably know this. So the famous here's Johnny line, that's not in the book. That was Jack Nicholson's touch. He decided to put that in there, which is another iconic line when he breaks down the bathroom door with an ax. In the book, John chases his wife into the bathroom with a croquet mallet. Oh. Yeah. John and Jack's death is a bit different too, because in the movie, Jack freezes to death when he fails to catch Danny in the maze. But in the book, John is lured into the boiler room and then the hotel is blown up. So... That's, you know, Whoa. ice cold death and hot death. Yeah. Um, this is crazy. So. You're blowing my mind. In I don't, I know, I don't know any of this. So Wendy, the character of Wendy, the wife. In the book, Wendy is described completely different physically. She's blonde and like a classic movie star kind of beauty. Yeah, that's not. She has a much more independent personality and stands up to her husband a lot more in the movie. Wendy is pretty much a wimp. And I'll talk about what Stephen King had to say about that. Um, Wendy in the movie is pretty much passive and whiny. Uh, I mean, and that's, I yeah. mean, if you could get any more whiny and submissive. Oh, oh I mean, there, I don't think there's any Stephen King. Way. Stephen King was not a fan of that at all, which I will get specifically into all the things he hates about the movie. Yes. And I'm behind you, Stephen King. Cause you're awesome. But anyway, now, like I want to order the book like right now. I know I'm like, I'm getting the book immediately. So the script, this is so weird to me. So Stanley Kubrick didn't even read the script that Stephen King wrote for the movie, which explains a lot. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but yet he still called Stephen King on the phone to ask him questions. Kubrick apparently thought that King's writing was weak. And I say you're weak, Stanley. But <laughs> you're weak, Stanley. So Stephen King did not like the end result of the film. Shocking. 
<laughs> he said that Jack Torrance seemed nuts from the get-go, the get which makes, now this is directly quoted from Stephen King, it makes the tragedy of his downfall wasted. He also didn't like the casting of Shelley Duvall as Wendy. King said that her character was, quote, one of the most misogynistic characters ever put on film. She's basically just there to scream and be stupid. Hate to say it, I agree with him. And I didn't even read the book. Um, I really don't care for her character, find her highly annoying. And King actually said that Kubrick turned that character into a screaming dish rag. That is not the woman that I wrote in the book. So he really hated that. Okay, I'm concerned that I'm looking at purchasing this book. And this book, everything seems to line up except... They keep referring to Torrance as Jack, not John. Oh, then maybe the source screwed it up. Or maybe he's John, but they call him Jack. Yeah, I don't know. Thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Again, having not read the book, I only know him by the name of Jack, so I'm just going by what my source says. Um, so some, some facts about the production of the film, then. Several of Stanley Kubrick's family members actually worked on the set. Um, the executive oh. producer was, Kub was Kubrick's brother-in-law. Hmm. Um, Kubrick's wife and daughter actually worked on the set with the, they worked on the design and the music. Vivian, his daughter made an onset documentary during the filming of the shining. Um, and I already told you that Stephen King was disappointed in the movie. And he said parts of the movie were chilling and charged with relentless claustrophobic terror while others just fell flat. He also did not like Jack Nicholson cast as, he didn't like, he didn't feel that he was right for the part either, even though he said he's a great actor, but he said between Jack's manic grin and the fact that he had done one flew over the cuckoo's nest made audiences identify him as nuts early on. <laughs> so I, again, I agree. Um, at the request of the Timberline Lodge in Oregon, where they actually use the, they use the outside of the Timberline Lodge in Oregon to film the out, the outdoors of the Overlook Hotel. Um, they changed the number of the room from 217 to 237 because they didn't want the visitors to avoid their actual room 217. So 237 was not a room in the hotel where they actually filmed it in. Oh, smart. Yeah. Um, however, it turns out that guests often request room 217 more than any other room anyway. Um, there is a speculation that Stanley Kubrick actually typed out 500 pages of the phrase, all work and no play makes Jack a doll boy because... He's that detail oriented. However, the typewriter that's the, stupid. I don't think he did. I don't think he had time for that. That's what, stupid. However, the typewriter that was used had a built-in memory, like one of those word processor things that we all used in college in the days of when I went to college. I'm gonna tell you, I have no idea what you're talking. There about. There were word processors that you could pretty much program in what you wanted, what you wanted it to type out, and then you could like just let it type without manually putting it in. Word processor. Never mind. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> you don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. But um, anyway, the point of this is that a person wouldn't have had to actually physically type this out. So whatever. Cool. When Jack Torrance was seen reading a playgirl in the lobby in the movie, there's an article in the magazine about incest. It could, be a, it could be a subtle way of implying that Danny was a victim of sexual abuse. Regardless, Kubrick is hinting at something because there would not have been a hotel lobby leaving out a copy of Playgirl. So he's trying to make a point. Um, the actor who played Danny's character didn't even know he was making a horror movie. So he was five years old and they just told him he was making a drama film. He never even saw the actual movie until he was 16. Wasn't that interesting? That's the only movie that that actor ever did. Jack Nicholson actually wrote a scene for The Shining. So there's a scene where 
Um, he flips out on his wife for interrupting him when he's working. Yeah. And he's a real asshole. He's terrible. Well, Jack Nicholson based it on a time when he was really stressed because he was acting in a movie during the day and then he was trying to write a book at night or write a movie at night. And his wife came in when he was in the middle of something. He blew up on her. And um, when he told Stanley Kubrick about it, they, that's how they wrote the scene. Hmm. Jack Nicholson's on screen why Shelley Duvall and Kubrick did not get along. Supposedly, he was very hard on her in the set to the point where she suffered physical and mental exhaustion, even for some time after they were done filming. So apparently he was, like, totally awful to her. Duvall claimed her health suffered due to the stress, and she never had such a demanding role. One example is where Wendy has to swing um, an axe at Jack, and the scene took 127 takes. That would have been awfully physically demanding, I would say. Originally, the white actor Slim Pickens was picked to play the character of Dick Halloran, the hotel manager, or bar is he the bartender? The character actually is black in the novel, so Pickens was sort of an odd choice. Um, but Pickens didn't want to work with Stanley Kubrick again after working with him on Dr. Strangelove because of the strenuous shoots, which sounds like a common theme. So Scatman Crothers then actually got the role. Um, this is really weird. Much of The Shining set actually burned down toward the end of filming. An 11 alarm fire broke out, which they never found out the cause. But there's a picture of Stanley Kubrick standing outside of the wreckage laughing. Horrifying. And the hotel overlook <laughs> burns down in the story. So, yeah, a little strange. <laughs> um, the end of the movie. So where Jack is chasing Danny through the snow actually required 900 tons of salt. And then they also used crushed styrofoam to create the, the snowy scene. Oh, interesting. This is another thing that I've never heard of happening in movies. So the original ending to The Shining might be different than what we actually saw. Because interestingly, Stanley Kubrick changed the ending after it had already appeared in theaters for a weekend. So he changed it and then they like redistributed it with a new ending, which is so weird. So he removed an epilogue that explained that the Overlook Hotel still survives and that it's open each year from May to September and then closes for the winter. So there was like a little bit more explanation and he took it out. Wow. Um, I don't know if you've seen this when you're flipping through our streaming service on here, but there's a documentary called Room 237, um, which is a reference to The Shining. And basically it, put, it melds together fact and fiction and it addresses different conspiracy theories about the film. I've never heard this. This is... One theory is that Stanley Kubrick helped to fake the moon landing and that The Shining is his confession. <laughs> Where do people come How? up with I don't know. Another claims, another claims that The Shining is actually about the genocide of Native Americans, and another claims that the film is actually about Holocaust concentration camps. I see none of that in any of it, but hey, I'm, I'm not very deep sometimes. So, But the thing about the moon really killed me. Um, the director of Toy Story named Lee Unkrich is actually the person that runs the most famous fan site for The Shining. It's called the Overlook Hotel. He's also one of the people who helped um, fund the documentary Room 237. Unkrich has embedded some secret references to The Shining in some Pixar films. In, for instance, in Toy Story 3, there's a carpet that is similar to the one in the Overlook Hotel. There's a license plate that reads RM237. And Trixie chats online with a dinosaur with the screen name Velocitar 237. 
And as you know, that's all lost on me because I've never seen Toy Story. Because I don't watch animated films. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So all that was like, hmm, yeah, okay. So I didn't know any of that. But still, it's interesting. That's an interesting uh, person to be running a a fan site on The Shining, I guess. So, yeah. I, again, I've seen the movie. I'll be honest. I tried to watch it again a couple of weeks ago. And I was fine and kind of watching it going, yeah, okay, I don't, I'm not really scared. And then the part where Danny, um, the, the creepy twins always get me. I don't like the creepy, yeah. twin girl, the, the creepy twin girls. And I also don't like the exploding elevator with the blood. That always gets me. So, um, but other than that, it's just kind of Jack Nicholson looking crazy the whole time. You know what I mean? Then there's that gross part where he like starts making out with the, with the beautiful woman that turns into the ugly skeleton woman or yeah. So it's more to me, just kind of gross. It's not really, it's not one of my favorite things to watch. Um, I don't know your opinion, the shining, you like the movie? I mean, it's all right. It's slow. I think it's slow too. It's really slow. I think it's definitely slow, but honestly, it sounds like a fantastic story to read, but yeah, I want to read it now. I really I do. Want to I, read ju- it. I did just buy the book. So excellent. Excellent. Cause I am like super pumped about, um, about reading it really. Yeah. I'm pumped about it. But too. I am a person who thinks Stephen King does, does no, wrong, no wrong, does no wrong. I literally remember being like, my mom won't let me watch The Green Mile, so I'm going to read The Green Mile. Oh my god, what an amazing... Such a good story. Both the book and the movie were fabulous. So good. So and, I love Stephen King. And I think the thing with, with Stephen King, I haven't actually read that many of... He's written so many things. There's a lot I haven't read. I've seen probably most of the movies. But his books are so complex psychologically i think that it might be hard just to make a good movie you know what i mean unless you know i mean because not all of them really do make good movies um i don't know the shining though i guess for what it is for stanley kubrick being the director he is i guess he created something special it's just not really my thing yeah (laughs) sorry stanley kubrick i know you're not alive to to hear about it or, or care what my opinion is but yeah yeah. That's The Shining, man. That's The Shining. Yes. Yeah, for real, for real. Thank you, Aaron. That yeah. felt weird. I don't know why I said it like that. But... Yes, and you are welcome. Thanks. So so tell our fans, fan, our our fans that are growing number of fans what they should do to support us. Oh. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, you're going to send us an email because you want to tell us how wonderful we are and or tell us a cool story that we can read to you on our podcast at 31 nights of scary shit at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at 31 nights of scary shit on Facebook at 31 nights of scary shit. You can listen to us wherever you're listening to us right now, as well as Spotify, Google podcast, Apple podcast, and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Now that I am done doing that, I hope you stay spooky, friends. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.